Welcome to the Sweet Run Podcast, your source for all things running and travel in super fun destinations around the world. We're your hosts, Gerald Mitchell and Natalie Mitchell. Welcome to episode 88 of the Sweet Run Podcast. And this week, we are so happy to welcome Whitney Hines to the show. Whitney is the founder of The Mother Runners, a resource for moms who run. And they have a huge community on Instagram and on their website, themotherrunners.com. So definitely go check that out. Whitney is a certified running coach, a former award-winning TV news journalist. She is also the host of her own podcast called The Passionate Runner, where she talks to runners about their personal journey and their love for the sport of running. So definitely go and listen to her podcast. Whitney is a regular contributor to RunnerClick.com and Marathon handbook.com where she's written many articles about the sport of running she is also a 256 marathoner and in this conversation we talk about whitney's path to get to that 256 a very compelling story about what actually happened during the race you guys are not going to want to miss this she talks about it in detail and we were really happy to be able to talk to her about her story whitney is the mom of two beautiful kids And she and her family all live in beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee. It's our first guest from Knoxville. Whitney lays it all out for us. She tells us the best places to go for a run, where to dine out, where to hang out, sights to see in beautiful Knoxville, which is the gateway to the Smoky Mountains. So it just sounds breathtaking. Whitney walks us through all of that, including who they bought their house from. A very cool story. And you guys will not want to miss that. So we are so excited to share this conversation with you guys. So here we go. Summer, 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 summer. Summer, 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 summer. Oh my gosh, you guys. It is now officially summer. Are you so excited? I am so excited. Okay, so if you are training for a marathon, a half marathon, a 5K, a 10K, or nothing at all. Maybe you're just going to hang out in the mountains or at the beach and run whenever you want. And that is totally awesome as well. But you still need to find out what is going on inside your body. And that's where Inside Tracker comes in. They are a science-backed trackable action plan that lays it all out for you. All you have to do is get a blood test. It's simple, quick, and easy. And they take care of everything else. They come back and tell you what you're doing right, what you need to work on. And they give you supplement ideas and recipe suggestions. And they lay it all out for you and help you to become a better athlete and a better person. So go to InsideTracker.com slash SweetRun and save 25% off. It is going to be a game changer for your summer training. Definitely go check it out. And we are so excited to partner with our friends at Inside Tracker. And now, friends, please enjoy our super fun conversation with 256 Marathoner, the founder of The Mother Runners, the host of the Passionate Runner podcast, and mom of two, Whitney Hines. Whitney Hines, welcome to the Sweet Run Podcast. We are so happy to have you. I am so happy to be here. I love your podcast so much, you guys. It's that's a it's a great concept. I love it. Well, thank you so much, and we are so glad to have you. Looking forward to talking about you and Knoxville. Awesome. I know. Thank you. So, Whitney, I've been following you for so long. The Mother Runners. I'm so inspired, just honestly, by the content that you put out and how it's geared specifically to mothers and, and, you know, all the things that we have to do with our, with 
kids and life. And of course we love to run and like everything in your, in your community gears toward that. So I want to know how the mother runners got started. Um, yeah, so I got the idea for the mother runners, um, after training, starting to train for my first marathon after having, um, my two kids and not my, I've run marathons before. I, my first marathon was when I was in college, but, um, yeah. And just, I had a lot of questions, uh, related to training and, um, the obstacles I was facing with the kids, my kids being attached to me, just not having the energy to run, trying to manage breastfeeding and training and, um, just a lot of training questions. And when I would Google, these articles would pop up that were not super helpful. Like you could tell they were written by people that hadn't lived it. Um, and so I just felt like there was this, that was one reason I felt like there was this, um, void that needed to be filled. Um, so I, and I have a journalism background and so I launched the website and then I also just felt super isolated during that time. Um, with the challenges I was facing, I didn't know that other people were also facing similar challenges. And so when I started running with other people, I realized that I wasn't alone. And so I wanted to, um, kind of elevate the community, um, connect people who might not have the ability to run with others, especially because trying to schedule runs with other people as a mom is very, very difficult. Um, and just, you know, so help people feel less alone. Um, and then also trying to train as a mom and have a coach who understands life as a mom and knows what it, what it means when you say, Hey, I was up with a baby all night. I can't go run at 5am or I need to move my workout or whatever. Um, I wanted to be able to offer coaching that, um, that really understood life as a mother runner. So that's uh, in a nutshell, kind of how it was born about three years ago. Will you tell us a little bit about your career? Sure. Yeah. I, um, got started in, uh, well, like I said, I went to college in DC. So I had a bunch of internships in DC. Um, and then my first TV job was in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is a great place to visit and run, um, where UVA is located. And I was the morning anchor there. And then, um, I ended up here in Knoxville and was the weekend anchor and um, reporter during the week. And so, um, yeah, I did that for a while, I don't, eight or 10 years. Um, and then um, I just, I just kind of realized that I was looking, honestly, like I was looking around at the other women in the industry watching them have babies and rush right back to work and work long hours. And I just was like, I don't want that to be me. It just didn't seem like mm -hmm. it was conducive to starting a family and being able to be like the engaged mom that I wanted to be. And they kind of treat you like they own you. You're just, it, it's really hard to get time off. Or I remember I actually, they were they, I was running the Boston marathon and they did a special on my training and everything. And then they, the, um, my news director was like, wait a minute, when is Boston? That's during ratings month. You can't run that. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and that's not out of the ordinary. So several things like that happened. Like my sister was getting married and I was in the wedding and they were like, but it's during a sweeps week. Like you can't go to her. Oh, like, so stuff like that happened. I was like, you know, it's yeah. time to pivot and go do something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So it was cool. It was cool when I was in my twenties. And then as I got older, um, I was like, you know, 
this is not cool anymore. Let's do something else. So, yeah. Understood. No, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad you shared that because I, I was, I'm really curious. I love to hear what people do outside of their running and what other careers that they've had. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you know, that scheduling thing jumps out at me because I remember Natalie, like, like, oh, trying to find people to run with, you know, usually it was other women to run with in the same boat. And um, it was always a challenge. So you end up running with a lot of women from schools, right? Because they, at least the kids are on the same general schedule, right? Yeah. <laughs> at various points in life. And then you couldn't find, like, if you had a second grader and then you, you find another runner in the school whose parent, whose child is an eighth grader. Oh man, they're on different schedules. Sorry, we can't run together. <laughs> You're awesome. I'll follow that's you totally true. Dream, that's I mean, yeah, that's true. Like I didn't even realize that, that the women that I do run with, and I run mostly alone at this point, but the women that I do run with when school is back in session, we, our kids are all around the same age because they, you know, went to the same preschool and now they're in elementary school. My son, who's my youngest, this starts kindergarten this fall. So I will have more time and more freedom and flexibility. Obviously it's bittersweet, but it's also like scheduling those types of get togethers instead of like, okay, we're waking up hours before dawn to get it in. Um, I'll have more flexibility to do that. So I know you guys know what that's like. We know what that's like. And, it, and I'm just kind of like reveling in the fact that you have a kid going to, into kindergarten because we're <laughs> We're far, our youngest is going into fourth grade. Yeah. And I just remember kindergarten and I love that age. And where I was in my running is like di- kind of different than where I am now. And it's kind of neat to look back. Like, it's going to be interesting. I'll talk to you when your kid is going into fourth grade and, you know, <laughs> just the differences of where you are like mentally and emotionally. And it's, I just, moms, we are, we are a rare breed of you know, a mix of like trying to nurture everybody and still go after our own personal goals. Yeah. I mean, that, that's another reason why I wanted to start the mother runners too, was because I had like intense mom guilt for wanting to run and chase these goals. And, um, I think other people deal with that too. And I wanted, I wanted to empower other people as well as myself that like, it's not only okay for you to go after those goals. Like it's amazing because you're so you're showing your kids what it's like to work hard towards something, to be passionate about something, to not give up. Um, like it doesn't really do them a service to have someone to, to have them just kind of believe that the world revolves around them and that you're at their beck and call every second, even though, I mean, you know, and when I was making them like their sixth supper last night, like I do feel like I'm at their beck and call every second, but like, yeah, just le- having them learn that, you know, the other people have, you know, they, they need to learn how to do things on their own too and, and deal with like, okay, well, mommy's not going to be here to watch you, but daddy's here or somebody else who cares about you and loves you is here. Um, so anyways, yeah, that like it's, it, I think sometimes like our society kind of makes us feel like it's you're selfish if you do something that's outside of directly serving your kid. And um, I disagree with that viewpoint very much so. I absolutely do too. (laughs) And as a husband, I will tell you, I love it when Natalie goes for a run because it's such a bet. You're the, mm, how do I say this? Um, My own moms, demeanor. moms need their time. And yes. if running is what your jam is, then please go run because 
you know, the happy life, you know, happy wife, happy runner life. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to come up with something, a, a cool term like that. Happy, happy runner wife, happy life or something. Yeah. Something you're going to have to come up yeah, with and a... put it on your website. <laughs> there's something there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, congratulations no, so true. on 10,000 followers. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. That's a big it's... milestone. Yeah. I mean, I'm not on Instagram as much as I could be as far as engaging and stuff, because I don't want to be on my phone more than I already am. But, um, I was really, my kids were really excited. They, they <laughs> were like, Jake, my husband came in he's like, you just hit 10 K. I was like, I did. That's so awesome. And they were jumping around and so excited. So, That's cool. um, yeah, I mean, it's, a, I, I love Instagram. Like it's a great way to engage with the community and, um, just kind of get feelers out there for what people are thinking about or dealing with or ways that I might be able to help them, um, with my writing and stuff. But, um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Kind of cool. (laughs) It's very cool. And that means you're reaching more people, I think. And the more people that you can reach and help and with your coaching and, and everything I think is, is a valuable resource for moms everywhere. Um, I wanted to ask you Whitney about like your personal running journey and like how you got into the sport and, you are now a very fast marathoner. So we want to hear about all of that. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I started running because my dad was a runner. He was um, in the Marines and he wasn't, he was no longer in the Marines after I was born, but he ran the Marine Corps marathon every year. And so um, I would finish like the last couple of miles with him when I was a kid. I started when I was six, I think. Um, and he started entering me into fun runs. And so running kind of at a young age became part of my identity. Like I was the girl that was always challenging the boys to the, you know, 50 yard dash or whatever on the playground. Um, but yeah, but I only ever really ran just for fun. Like I ran in high school, um, didn't run in college, but ran on my own in college. Um, I actually talked to the coach. I went to Georgetown in Washington, DC and talked to the coach and told him here are my times. And he was like, well, you can walk on, but you'll be the slowest person on the team. So I was like, okay, well, I think I'll just enjoy my college career. Um, and I actually roomed with one of the girls on the team. And I was really glad that I didn't, I wasn't on the team because she seems really tired all the time. (laughs) My memories of her, just like, she was just laying in bed, sleeping and eating at the same time. So, um, yeah, but I just continued to run. And then after, uh, and ran a few marathons, my husband and I, like before we had kids, that was our pastime is we would run destination marathons and, um, didn't get serious until a few years ago, got with a coach and, um, after having my two kids and, um, started to get more competitive and ran my first marathon and that was in 2020. And he was like, you know, I think you have a shot at qualifying for the trials. And so we did a big ramp up. Um, I'm sorry, 20, it was 2019 trying to qualify in 2020, did a big ramp up, but unfortunately tore my hamstring, um, along the way and continue to train, took a little bit of time off, like around my peak week, um, and came back and still ran the marathon. Um, and then I'm kind of been paying the price ever since doing Mm. that. So I'm just getting back to it. And, um, I signed up for CIM and I have good six weeks of training under my belt right now. And things are knock on wood or 
are feeling good. So hoping to, to finally get like that marathon time that I feel like I'm capable of, but just didn't get like my training was there, but just didn't get to do it. Cause I was injured. So, um, yeah. Wow. So, so now you tore your hamstring train, like, did you tear it during training and then went on to run the marathon with the injury? Yeah. Um, so I tripped on a run and I think I strained it and I continued to train with it. And that happened to be when I was running really high mileage, like upper nineties, um, and just kind of waited to see what would happen and was treating it and everything. And then I ran a half mile tune up or half marathon tune up about a month, five or four weeks out from the indie marathon. And that's when I think I actually tore it a por- a partial tear. Like it wasn't a complete tear, obviously wouldn't have been able to run a marathon with that. Um, and took time off. And then just like a couple weeks, basically around when taper started, I came back and trained and, um, you know, it was like, it was hard to run with it. Um, but I could still run. It just was not comfortable. And I didn't feel like I could get my speed, but I think that's what made it so difficult. I don't know if you guys have ever had an injury like that before where you can, you can run through it. Um, so it kind of deludes you. Like you think like, Oh, maybe it's getting better. or Maybe it's okay. It wasn't so painful that I could not run. Like I tore my plantar fascia last summer. And that was like, this, this is no go. Like you, I can't even walk. There's no way I'm running. Um, and so, yeah. So after that, like I, I thought I was in like OTQ shape, but ran a two fifty six and, um, still was like really hungry and wanted to, to come back and get that time. And then finally, um, in February, I was like, this is not, this is only getting worse. So I finally took time off and rehabbed it and still have like a compensatory injury that I'm dealing with right now. Um, from running for so long with it. So, Oh my gosh, you know, injuries are a fact of life for runners and we always learn so much and they like in retrospect, now I just have so much gratitude for just even the ability to run, like whether or not it's fast or slow, far or short, like, I'm just so happy to even be running now. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I wanted to, so was the 256, was that at the Indy marathon with this partial injury this injury? It was. Oh yeah. my gosh, Whitney, you ran a two fifty six um with a in, a hamstring injury. That's incredible. You were oh. definitely in awesome shape. Yeah, great shape to be able to. Do oh, that. thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, like I kept it together for the first eleven miles, and then things just kept falling apart. And honestly, what kept me going because I really, really like anybody in a marathon <laughs> like thinks about stopping, I think, but I was like really close to dropping. And, but I just kept thinking like, what would I tell my daughter if I quit? And so that's honestly what kept me going. Um, and I still got a PR. So, Hey, that's yeah. good. <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, I, it, it's just so kinda... interesting. I was just, it's so interesting that you say that because you were saying like, have you ever dealt with anything like that? And it's, you know, I, I just dealt with a ham- I'm yeah, we have to talk because I just dealt with a little hamstring injury where I kind of felt it a little bit during training, but I thought, oh, I couldn't even identify really what it was in the beginning. And that went from that to like running this marathon that I was training for. And then I did drop out. I dropped out at eight miles because I, oh. it bothered me so badly. And I was just like, this is going to be a death march. Like my stride and everything was so mm-hmm. affected and I could really feel it running the pace that I was running. So I'm, I'm like 
so you feel you know, it can relate to your story. Well, see, that was a smart move because now you can rehab it and you didn't do further damage to it, or you don't have another injury as a result of pushing through. So that was a smart move. And I'm sorry though. It's so heartbreaking, especially when you put so much work into it and you know, the sacrifices that everybody in your life makes because you're training. Um, so I feel you, but I'm glad to hear you're getting better. I'm getting better, but I just, I love, you know, I mean, you're such a strong, I mean, that's really, you're such a strong athlete to be able to go through that and, and still PR. So congratulations in that sense. I mean, Oh, thanks. No, I mean, you PR'd and like, and now you're, how are you doing now? How are you feeling? Um, I am finally feeling better. Like I felt like I was, I had a black cloud over me because I rehabbed the hamstring that took a year. I came back. Then I had an adverse reaction to the, um, vaccine. So I had lung inflammation and ended up in the ER after getting my second shot. And so that knocked me out for a couple months. And then I came back, um, for about a month. And then I think because I took that time off and then came back and cut, I maybe built a little bit too aggressively. I think I probably made some training mistakes with like moving runs around just to fit the schedule that I, then I tore my plantar fascia. And so then I came back and then I got COVID and had like some heart issues from COVID. So, but now I'm good. I, I, I like gradually built back, restarted with my coach last month. And like I said, I'm about six weeks into training and, um, knock on wood, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really, really good. And like, it's very humbling because the people that I used to run with, like they're way faster than me. And I keep like, they keep asking me to run with them. I'm like, sorry, I'm just going to keep my head down, put in the work and do my own thing because I don't want to get stuck into anybody's paces right now. Um, because I'll just get injured again. <laughs> like, um, but like I said, yeah, I'm feeling good. And like I said, I'm just so happy to be out there and my attitude's just so much better when I was training with the injury, like I wouldn't hit my paces and I'd come back. And instead of being like happy runner wife, I was angry runner wife because I didn't hit my times and I was so mad and, um, like just completely overlooking the fact that running is a gift and just taking it way too seriously. And I will not go back to that place because I mean, it's not like this is my job. Like I do this because it makes me a better person. Um, so just kind of holding on to that now. <laughs> totally. But I, I do have to say it at certain, a certain level, and maybe it's all the way through, you know, regardless of where you are in your running is that to get to race day seems at some point about how can I manage my body, the weather, you can't, the schedules and all every, especially as a mom, whatever, it, all the stuff so that I can get to get to the line and finish that day right it's it's somebody's like it's like yeah the fitness is what it is I just gotta manage don't get injured don't lose anything that I need don't have the <laughs> one of the kids start vomiting the morning I don't know all oh my goodness that could happen right <laughs> it's like this whole circus of stuff that it's like amazing just to get to the fit gets to get to the start line right oh yeah. that's true yeah I mean there are so many variables especially with marathoning to begin with and then you throw in being a parent um on top of that yeah like I have I know you guys travel with your kids right like you've done races and you brought them along and I really admire that because I 
um, the few, like, oh, I guess I've only done one destination race, but I was like, there's no way I'm bringing the kids with, with me. <laughs> like, I do not want to be worrying about other people right now. I just want to worry about myself. And when we go to CIM, if I can stay healthy, like it will just be my husband and me going, the kids will hang out with grandma. So yeah, <laughs> don't want to worry about people, you know, kids not being able to sleep or puking all over me after I spent seven months training for something, you know, uh, maybe that makes me selfish. I don't know, but yeah, no, no, that makes no, you you need, smart. no, you need to balance that out because you know, that, that, and that was actually one of the questions I wanted to ask, but which is great. Your travel tip on doing a destination marathon is don't bring the kids. <laughs> and that's, and that's okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously like when they get older, it's easier, but when they're still in the toddler, needy stage, um, which I have to ask you guys. Um, so I was listening to your interview with Peter Bromka, which was awesome. I love him. Um, he just, he's so self-aware and he just has so many insightful, um, just outlooks on things, but, um, and you talked, you were in Houston and you said you lost your seven-year-old, like the door closed and she didn't make it off the train. I think I had a panic attack. How did you get to her? First thing is I dropped everything and started chasing this train down the the track. You know, I'm on the platform. And then I realized I got to the end of the, I'm getting to the end of the oh, platform. No. I'm like, oh shoot, I can't just jump off and Onto run the to track. the next platform across yeah. traffic. So then I stopped and I just talked, there was a, a guard or person there. And I was like, my, my kid on the train, stop that train. <laughs> And thankfully they, you know, called ahead to the next stop and we, you know, there was someone who got her off, held her hand. We jumped on the next one, which was thankfully only a couple of minutes away. And (laughs) she was like stone cold, like totally cool until we got away from the, the, the woman who was holding her hand. And she's like, you love her. Oh my goodness. (laughs) But she held it together really well while she was with, you know, the stranger, you know, who was, yeah. Yeah. And they were so the people in Houston at the transportation department were so kind. And they were like, we want you to know that your daughter's with another, with a woman who's working on the train and she has her, don't worry. We're going to deliver her to you in about four minutes or whatever it was. And we were just like, okay, so they were really like on top of it. So, but still it was just like crazy. And I, and I wanted to say to you, Whitney, that like now the last two races that I've done, we have not taken the kids and it's been an interesting (laughs) dynamic. Cause we were like, in the beginning, we'd always take the kids. We took the kids to Boston, to Houston, to CIM, like everywhere. Right. And for the most part, it turned out okay. You know, and (laughs) I mean, we, we, you know what the thing is, is that we brought my mom with us. So she would like help and be an extra adult between my mom and Gerald, they would kind of be able to manage everything. But for this, like I ran the Eugene, well, dropped out of the Eugene marathon. We went alone and I have to say it was a different experience. So you're going to love being with just your husband at CIM. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's smart. Yeah. We we really do love you. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, obviously there's a strong case to bring them because you want them to get 
to see the race experience and, and feel it and um, have that positive impact. But like, you can do that at local races too, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, um, that's awesome though, that you used to bring grandma like that. That's a pro tip right there. Yeah. It was, I'm so thankful yeah, she for was her, but I that. will say too, for people listening, like by the time we, we went, we took the kids to Boston two times. And like afterwards we were like, we could have took everybody to Hawaii, like to go from <laughs> LA to Boston and like everything yes. had to do. It was yeah. like, okay. I mean, it was so worth it, but you do think about those things. So yeah, well maybe Hawaii next time. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, want to talk about your CIM training. So, okay. You've been training for six weeks, you said? Mm-hmm. So it's just been base phase, basically. Yeah. yeah. How are you feeling so far? How's the hamstring doing? Yeah, everything is feeling really good, really. Um, the only, the I mentioned a compensatory injury. My husband always makes fun of me when I say that. It just sounds really nerdy. Uh, my compensatory injury. Um, I have a quad, well, my um, femoral nerve, it, in my quad is compressed and it's been this weird sensation that I've had for the past three years. And it's, I, it took forever to figure out what it was. Nobody, I saw several PTs and nobody really knew, um, because it, it'll start burning like a half mile into, so I'm like, it feels like lactic acid, but finally, um, my PT figured it out. And so, Um, it's, but it just starts burning and it hurts more the faster I run. And then my whole muscle just like locks up and then my leg kind of stops working. So, um, I'm getting, I'm treating that and it seems to be improving. And so, um, it's weird though. It's like, as soon as I stop running, it goes away. Mm. So the nerve the it's just from like the quad was overworking for so long to make up for the hamstring, um, that it, I think it's all just like super, super tight and yeah. So, yeah. uh, you know, but other than that, everything's feeling great. And, um, I hit 65 miles this week, That's awesome. which is good. I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, it's the most I've run in a very long time and have done some doses of speed work. Um, just, you know, mostly like threshold work. Um, and I'm, I'm feeling good. Like I'm, a, I'm adapting and I feel like 65 feels like totally manageable. I don't know how high we will go this time. I felt like a hundred was way too much, just too much for my family too. I was tired a lot. <laughs> so yeah. I don't want like, you have to walk that fine line when you're going after goals to, um, not to, I don't want to be like a tired, cranky mom because I woke up at 4 a.m. to go run hard for 16 miles. You know, um, I want to yeah. I want to ha- be more balanced this time around. So um, as soon as like I feel like the scales are tipping in that direction, I will probably ease back. But um, yeah, and just like trying to prioritize making sure I'm eating well and um, I'm trying now that I'm home with the kids for the summer, I'm really trying if we're home to like institute like an hour of just chill time so that even if I'm not tired, like I'm just gonna chill out, rest for 20 or 30 minutes, just because I feel like that helps with recovery, especially now, um, that I'm, I'll be 41 this summer. So, you know, that kind of stuff becomes more and more important as you get older. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How are you, when you were running a hundred miles a week, how were you managing that in the sense, like, were you running 
six days a week? Were you doing double workouts? Like how did that factor in like all of the details of that? Yeah. Um, I was doing, yeah, I was doing double runs, um, two days a week. And then, yeah, I was running seven days a week. Um, so I think like I would have a long run on Saturday and then Sunday would be like an easy 10 or something like that. But I just, I don't, I, my son was still pretty young and he wasn't sleeping through the night yet. He was still, still lots of wake ups. And so in retrospect, and I was working full-time from home with my kids home, like it was a lot. And in retrospect, I, I was just like, I was really tired and I felt guilty for being tired because I thought it was just the running, but it was everything. And so now, um, there was also like, I stepped away from the PR position that I had and was like, I'm just going to put my husband was totally on board. I'm just going to put my heart and soul into the mother runners and grow that. And it'll be on my own terms and I'll be less stressed out and have more energy for our family. So, um, that was like another, another factor that came into play with the birth of this idea. So, um, yeah, it was, it, I don't know, like I have a friend, a couple friends that I train with who run over a hundred miles a week. And one of them's like in her early twenties. And then the other one is a mom of three and she finished 34th at the trials. Um, but she's just like, you can't compare yourself to other people. I mean, like she's a superhuman and I, and her needs are not the same as mine. So for a while there, I think I made that mistake where I was like, well, she's not having any trouble managing the load, but I just feel exhausted all the time. So, you know, it was a lot of running for me. Yeah, and and everybody <laughs> and everybody's situation is different. Um, and so what did you, what was Jake feeding the kids when you were um, at a hundred miles a week? <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it was totally nutritious, <laughs> well-balanced because I know that's what I would do. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, their diets already need a ton of work. So it probably was the same, you know, cereal, chicken nuggets, waffles, yeah. cheese sandwiches, peanut butter sandwiches, which, oh my gosh, my son told me the other day that he doesn't like peanut butter. And I just, I just stood aghast. I was like, I don't under, I don't understand. I, don't like peanut butter. I live off. I feel like most runners live off of peanut butter. Like, I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah. There's always some nut butter, peanut butter, almond butter. Oh yeah. Sunflower butter. Yeah. Sunflower there's, butter. There's, yeah, cashew butter, butter. So yeah. good. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it wasn't like, I felt like it was a lot to ask for him. You know, he came, he would come home from work and then I'd be like, okay, well I have four miles I need to get in. See ya. So, you know, there was like on top of mom guilt, you also have wife guilt too. Yeah. Um, so I just felt like that was a lot, but as the kids get older too, it, that kind of stuff gets easier, I think to fit it in. For sure. When they get older, I think, I mean, there's still the issues of balancing everything, but they are a little bit more independent. Mm -hmm. What about, I want to talk about sleep right now. Like, okay, so you're running 65 miles a week, you're training. Um, what, how, how many hours of sleep do you get per night? I have realized that I need at least seven. Yeah. If I get under seven, then I'm feel I'm dragging and I'm just not like as patient with my kids as I want to be. Um, so it's, that is the trickiest part. I don't know how it is for you guys, but getting enough sleep is the trickiest part for me. 
um, because my kids, we, we lay with them both until they fall asleep. So my husband lays with Eleanor and I lay with Cal, um, usually, and they usually don't fall asleep until 10. And then my husband, um, he has to be at work in the summertime. He, like he helps with the getting them ready for school and stuff during the year. Um, but you know, he has to be at work at like seven 30. So that's early, early runs. Um, and I do my work in the morning too, so that when the kids get up, like I'm full-time mom mode. Um, so yeah, it's, that's tricky, but I try to get seven. And if I can get eight, that's amazing. I feel like a new woman. So (laughs) eight is amazing. 10 yes. would be life-changing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, yes, I think I've only, I slept 10 hours when I had COVID and those weeks after COVID I slept so much and I felt like I would wake up and be like, gosh, I could sleep more. This is, this is interesting. Um, yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever like really been a t- 10 hour sleeper. Yeah. That would be, no. that would be game changing. Totally. <laughs> Well, I wanted to ask you about your goals for, well, two, two, two sets of goals. First, your goals for the marathon this coming, you know, fall and then beyond, like, do you, you know, the, the new standard is so much faster than the 245 with 237, which we were saying in another recent conversation that it has to be 236 because it's 237, zero, zero. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you have thought uh, lots of thoughts on this because <laughs> you were going for an OTQ as well, weren't you? Yeah, it was on. I definitely, yeah, it was on my radar. I really wanted to do it. I, I hadn't broken three hours yet. Like, so that was like, okay, I need to do that. But I just wanted to jump and say, you know, I can do that and go beyond that. And I really did. I mean, I think you get into the mode of training and you really do feel like it's possible with everything that you're doing. And, um, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, I think you got to take a swing at things, but, um, but you were, you know, with a two fifty six, and like, you were in such great shape. You were so on track for the 2020, 2020 time, but now it's so much faster. It's so much faster. I will say that I was, I, I cried, when I saw the new standard, because I was not expecting it. I was not expecting it to be that fast. My husband and I were having a date night and, um, I think he saw it and showed it to me and I like tears started welling up in my eyes. I was like, Oh my goodness. And then I worked my way around it. And, um, I guess I don't, I want to say never say never, but I'm not going to like, I, like I said, I want to be balanced. I want to be the best mom I can be, the best wife I can be, the best, like, you know, mother runner, uh, founder, coach, running coach I can be. And I, so I don't want that to be my, my running goals to diminish that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that would be amazing, but, um, and then I'm just coming back. And so I don't even have like any time goals. I would, I would love to just PR and run a fast um, marathon. That's why I chose CIM because I've heard just amazing things about it. And I'm like, I don't want to mess around. I haven't run a marathon in several years. Like I want to go for the best. Um, And I just, I haven't, 
I just feel like I've never really had a chance to go after and see how fast I can get. I've never raced the mile and I'd really like to run a fast mile. I think that would be fun. Um, but I, I'm very careful not to, um, attach myself to any time goals and really just focus on enjoying the process as cheesy as that sounds, just because for my buildup for ND, I just got like, my head was just totally in the wrong space. Like I was just so obsessed with getting a sub 245 that like, when I, when I crossed the finished, I, I just was full of so many negative emotions, just like disappointment and anger. I felt like I was robbed and that's just so, I mean, it's just so silly. And I just don't, I guess goals, I haven't quite figured out how to have those goals and still have a positive relationship with running um, if you don't achieve them. So sorry, that's like kind of a long-winded answer, but um, yeah, so I don't have any like specific time goals, but but except to like have fun and get faster. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'll say incremental progress is so valuable. And sometimes that's all you need at the moment. Just let me get a little better keep having fun. Let me get a little better. Keep having fun. And then next thing you know, you're like, whoa, look what we've done over, you know, whatever period of time. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, when I rejoined with my coach, he, he was like, okay, if you stay healthy, we can have like four good marathon cycles to get you to cut down to a sub 237. So, you know, we'll see it's possible. Like already you see women rising up. Um, mm-hmm. which is really remarkable because I know that that was the fear that, you know, having the standard at 245, it had motivated so many people who never thought that they would be able to break three hours or run in the 240s. And by having such a challenging time, you worried that a lot of people were just going to like count themselves out, but you already are seeing people rise up and, and get faster, which I think is so cool. It's, I mean, the running community is just so awesome. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in the camp of never say never. (laughs) Yeah. What are your goals for the mother runners? Because you're growing this. I mean, this community is huge now. What do you, what goals do you have in the near future? Um, in the near future? I mean, I, it's still, it's growing and I love how much it's growing and I just want to expand my reach. And, um, when the kids go back to school, I plan to do some more coaching certifications, um, and be able to take on and hopefully have time to take on more athletes too, because I like to keep my roster kind of lower because I like to be pretty involved in my athletes' lives. Like I want to know what, what's going on in like, that's going to impact their training, their life stress. How are their kids? How's their job? Are they moving? How's, how, how's everybody's health, that sort of thing. And when I get over a certain number, I feel like I kind of lose track of that. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, I mean, I just, I, I like how it's growing right now and I want to be able to put out more content and, um, that's kind of the big thing is as I get more time, I'll be able to research more articles and hopefully put stuff out there that will be helpful to people in their training. From a coach's perspective, what would you say is the number one tip that you give your athletes from, you know, a mother's perspective is balancing it all. Um, that running should fit your life, not the other way around. So if running is stress is, is stressing you out, um, and you're like skipping on sleep, 
to get your runs in and it's making you kind of, well, I guess like less healthy rather than more healthy and it's not filling your cup, then we need to, we need to adjust your training. Um, because a lot of my athletes are, um, postpartum, they have young kids, they have babies, and that's a time in life where nothing's a given, especially sleep. And so I really, really, um, focus on ensuring that all those boxes are checked as far as sleep, nutrition, they're not dealing with a thousand illnesses and their bodies fighting an influx of germs at every turn, you know? Um, so that's like, if they're before we add any intensity or volume or anything like that, I want to make sure that their, their sleep and their health overall is solid because if we don't, then we're going to be looking down the barrel of injury, I think, or burnout. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome advice. Absolutely. Patience, gratitude, and grace are three adjectives that immediately come to mind in how Whitney has handled her string of injuries. And we know she is on the road to running really fast and having a lot of success. So I hope you guys are enjoying this fun conversation. And we just want to take a quick shout out to our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Use the code SWEETRUN to take 25% off. Go to insidetracker.com slash SWEETRUN. And now let's get back to our conversation with Whitney as she walks us through her hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee, the gateway to the Smoky Mountains. Should we dive into Knoxville, Tennessee? Let's get Let's into it. Let's do it. Have you guys ever been to Knoxville? No. no. I want to come and visit. It looks Let's... really beautiful and green and just, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, it looks like a it lot of really, fun. It is really beautiful. Um, I like, I forget how beautiful it is. Like we went out on a boat um, with our friends on the lake last weekend and there, there's so many lakes here and it, I mean, it's just like these rolling green Hills that meet the blue water. And it's just, it is really, really beautiful. We're in the, um, like the foothills basically of the Smokies and, um, yeah, I ended up here because I got a newscaster job here and I thought I would be here for two years and then move on. But, um, met my husband who's from here and they have a family business here. So Mm -hmm. that's why I'm still here. But I, um, ended up loving it so much. Cause it's, um, I feel like it has all the attributes of a bigger city, but without the stress. So it's like, if it takes me longer than seven minutes to get anywhere, like I'm flabbergasted. Like, why is this <laughs> taking so long? Like everything is just so convenient and people are really friendly and it's just like a less stressful life here. And I'm reminded of that every time I go visit somebody in a bigger city, like my siblings live in, um, Chicago and I'm, you know, I'm like, gosh, there's traffic everywhere. And it, you spend so much time in the car and it's just frenetic. And, um, it's not like that here in Knoxville most of the time. So the opposite of Los Angeles. (laughs) Yes. Yes. As I'm talking to you guys. Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, I try not to get in the car very often. We stay in our little bubble and and we don't try not to go too far, but we could go off on a whole tangent about (laughs) Los Angeles and the traffic. So tell us the best places to run in Knoxville. Where are we starting from to see all these green hills and enjoy? Where are we going? Well, there's a ton of trails. So you can always run in the Smokies and on Wednesdays and Saturday mornings, they close 
this, um, it's a famous destination or very popular destination in the Smoky Mountains called Cades Cove. And they close the, it's an 11 mile loop and they close it to traffic in the morning. So bikers and runners head out there and it's just, you're in the mountains, you're rolling green hills. You'll probably see a bear, um, but not in a scary way because usually, you know, they're just at a distance. Um, and that's beautiful. The neighborhood I live in actually our house, um, was we bought the house from an Olympic runner and, um, cause it's where our house is, is a great place to go running. And, um, we were bidding with somebody else for the house we had put an offer on and somebody else did too. And I wrote a letter appealing to them as fellow runners. <laughs> like, um, and we, we ended up getting the house, but it's in a neighborhood called Sequoia Hills, which is a historic neighborhood. And it's, you know, a bunch of old houses built in the early 1900s on the Tennessee river. And it has this beautiful trail that goes down, um, the main boulevard for two and a half miles. And then it connects to the greenway, um, which goes on forever. And it, it continues on through, um, this like, um, nature, forest preserve area, um, that goes through that has, has this beautiful quarry and, um, rolling green hills and mountainous, or I guess just hilly, pretty hilly, um, um, trails. So it's, it's, I don't know. I love, um, I love Sequoia Hills and where we live. It's a great running destination. It's safe. Um, so I feel safe coming, you know, going out at 5 a.m. and running by myself. Um, so. And are you going to tell us who the famous Olympic runner? Oh, yeah. His is? name was, yeah, it's nobody. I don't know if it's, his name was Anthony Famayetti. Um, hmm. He goes by fam. He has a running, I think he has a running, um, he used to have a running apparel called Run Reckless, but he was a steeplechaser. Okay. Yeah. So so he was, and then actually our, the lady that lived next door to us, she was an Olympic runner too, um, like many decades ago. And, um, I don't know why I'm blanking on her name, but anyways, she also, so like, it's a, like a very, very popular running destination spot and Sequoia Hills. And then in the heart of it, it's all residential, but in the heart of it is a great restaurant called the plaid apron that opens for breakfast to supper. My husband and I are actually going to supper there tonight. That's farm to table and it's delightful. And right next to it is a coffee shop called treetop coffee. That is just, it's so cute. And it has really, really good oat milk lattes and just Uh great baked goods. And, um, I'm sure you can get delightful tea there too. in Adelie, but, um, yeah, so that's, those are the great spots. So when, you know, the kids go back to school, I have great ideas of meeting people to go running and then (laughs) Like grabbing breakfast or coffee because before didn't really have time to do that. But now I'm hoping I have time to do stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> now, so pivoting quick back to the, the running um, places to run. So you, I know you mentioned the one um, route to run. Is there, were there any other places that you would recommend if we come to Knoxville to go on a run? Um, yeah, so you can run, well, downtown is awesome and it connects to the Greenway as well. Um, yes, I said Cades Cove and then right outside downtown is an area called Imes. It's I-J-A-M-S and that's trails. And that was the trail area I, um, was mentioning as far as Greenway connects to that. And it's just 
tons and tons of trails. Um, if you like trail running and those are, those are the, um, I would say the closest and the best, uh, most well-known, but there are so many, I mean, there's so many just beautiful greenways all around and Norris Lake. I mean, you can run pretty much any like beautiful nature area. They have, um, a wonderful greenway system and trails for people to run on. Okay. That's awesome. And now you mentioned downtown, which is great that when downtown connects to the greenway or you can mm-hmm. run through downtown, where's the best place to stay, uh, relative to downtown, all the great running. What are some of your favorites that you may have sent people to when they come to visit? Uh, that would absolutely be the Oliver hotel, which, um, so downtown Knoxville has a, um, a, they, it's called market square, but it's like a pedestrian, um, shopping area with restaurants and, um, you know, it's close to traffic and they have like a big stage in the middle and a splash pad and a park. And, um, right off of there is, um, the Oliver hotel, which is a beautiful boutique hotel and a historic building. And it's connected to some great restaurants And it. Um, so actually every Christmas, um, my husband and I stay there and then do our Christmas shopping. Um, so it's like our nice little holiday date, getaway, and knock out the Christmas shopping. Um, and, and it is also a speakeasy that's really cool Mm -hmm. so you have to like there's a secret entrance inside the hotel but then also there's a secret entrance down an alleyway um so if you want to grab a drink before supper um that's another thing you can do and it can it's connected to a really really awesome restaurant called the oliver royale as well that um you definitely want to get reservations but um it has really good farm to table food too Good. I was going to ask you about dinner options and that, that sounds like a perfect place to go for dinner and just hang out. And I saw, I was doing my research. There is a (laughs) big, huge, uh, gold or brass ball ball in the sky. What is that about? And what are the best sights to see before you leave Knoxville? Yeah, so that is the Sun Sphere, and that is from the 1982 World's Fair. So, yeah, and that's actually where the um, the Knoxville Marathon now ends. It used to finish in um, Neyland Stadium, where because Knoxville is also home to the University of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's a beautiful park, and they have uh, lots of festivals and events there. And there's a giant splash pad that I'll probably be taking the kids to in a couple days right there. But yeah, so that's, so you can go up to the sun sphere. I don't know if there's, there used to be a restaurant up there, but for whatever reason, it's one of those places where there's high turnover for the restaurants that are up there. So I can't really recommend to go eat up there because I don't even know if there's anything there at the moment, but you can go up there and see, you can see the Smokies and you can see the Tennessee river and, um, the whole city. And yeah, so that's really, that's a definitely a cool thing to do. Um, if Knoxville is very family friendly and, um, I would say if you go with kids, you're probably going to want to go to Dollywood, which is Dolly Parton. She's from outside here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, and who doesn't love Dolly? And so it's her, it's her theme park and she has a really awesome hotel that's connected to it. And her whole idea is to 
kind of have it be sort of like Disney, but like a more manageable Disney. Um, and so it's a great, we actually stayed there over Christmas with the kids, an awesome hotel called the Dream More Resort that's totally geared towards kids. And it buses you to Dollywood and you get, you can skip all the lines and get like the premier service at Dollywood. And um, if you come in the summertime, there's Splash Country and um, Gatlinburg, if you go up to Gatlinburg, there's just, you can rent a cabin and stay in, stay in the mountains and, um, be close to awesome hikes. And yeah, so I would definitely recommend that. And then if you, you probably want to go and see university of Tennessee, they've done a lot to make it a really beautiful campus lately. I used to work there actually, and, um, I hardly even recognize it since I left. It's just, they've really beautified it and you can see you know, see, come see a football game, see the baseball team play basketball. Um, trying to think it's just, there's a lot of, a lot of things to do for families here. The zoo is great. And coming from LA, you will probably be blown away by just how easy it is to get to the zoo and just park right there and walk 20 feet. And everything's really, um, inexpensive here compared to older or older, bigger cities as well which is a nice, like you'll go out for a really nice supper and it'll probably be a fraction of what you're used to paying in LA, I would uh, guess. Yeah. So that's another thing, just I've lived in big cities. And so I really appreciate that um, aspect of Knoxville, but like just the cost of living and then um, the, just less traffic. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those are some sites that I would definitely see. Yeah, we so we did go to Gatlinburg a few. It's been more than a few. It's been, oh, a, while. It's been a while. Yeah. Oh, okay, for with some family, we rented a cabin. Now, how far are you? How far is Knoxville from Gatlinburg? It's like so. It depends on traffic, but if there's no traffic, it's probably about thirty-five to forty minutes. Okay, oh, okay. it's not I far. I want to come back and bring the kids to Dollywood. That would be, be fun. really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's she, I mean, it's a really nice park. Like it's, they did a, they did a really good job. It's a, it's a pleasant experience mm -hmm. as parents to go there. Although you won't find me on a roller coaster. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. I will, I will be sick for like two years. <laughs> oh no. Well, I'll call you and we'll go on a run. Oh, we'll that sounds together. great. I would love that. And then we yeah. can go get coffee. Or no, tea. Then we can go get tea. <laughs> I love it. And speaking of uh, races or marathons, what are the best races in town that, uh, you know, from the turkey trot all the way up to the big marathon? Um, yeah, so we have a very active running community here. There's a lot of great races, but I would say the Knoxville Marathon, which is usually held the last weekend in March, is a great one to do. Um, it's hilly. It's not an easy course, but it's just a great neighborhood or like just small town race, but it's put on really well. And uh, there's lots of people to cheer you on. It runs through my neighborhood actually. And, um, people get together and they come up with funny signs and, you know, just like themes for each water stop. Um, and then I really like the fireball race, which is, um, July 3rd. It's a night race and you run along Neeland, um, which is the road that goes along, um, by the football stadium for UT. And it's just a fast 5k, but it's just, it's just cool because it's very patriotic and, um, 
Yeah. So I really like that race too. If you come in the summertime, that's fun. Okay. What about running stores in case anybody forgets anything? Oh, that we have two great ones. Um, the long run, which is, um, off Sutherland Avenue, which is, they're both pretty close to downtown. Um, it's more of like a boutique type running store. So you'll find rabbit and John G and Wassell and those types of, um, attire clothing companies there. And then, um, and they sell on clouds, but I think that's the only shoe they carry. And then just kind of your traditional running store runners market, which has the Nike Hoka's. And then we have your, your general, you know, fleet fee and those, those sorts of stores too. But I really like, I actually run on the runner's market team and was a long run ambassador for a while too. They're both really great stores and really, really helpful service. Um, and they just love running. So they, they know their stuff. Mm. No, that's, that's great that you have uh, so many options because it's not always that way, you know, um, in certain, in some cities. So that's, that's great that you have several options to choose from. Yeah. Yeah. We have a great, we have a very great community here, which is, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So Whitney, we like to ask our guests the last question, which is if you could run anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I'm going to go with, I love the fall and I, I love running in fall. Um, so I'm probably going to go with, I was going to say Burlington, Vermont in the fall. Ooh, okay. that's because, a good one. Yeah. I just, I've only been to Burlington once, but it was beautiful and yeah. the, the lake up there. And it just seemed like they had really great running trails and I'm sure the foliage is just breathtaking. And so, yeah, I'm going to get extra specific and say Burlington, but probably mid-October. Okay. Great <laughs> that choice. Sounds incredible. That's our first answer. That's so specific like that. I love that. <laughs> no, I mean that, I mean, yeah, and I'm great. right there with you. Like we have been saying that we want to go back East somewhere like Maine, Vermont, somewhere during the fall and yeah. do a whole foliage and fall foliage. Oh, that sounds tour. great. Can I come? Yes. Bring the kids. We'll Make all have fun. <laughs> we'll bring the kids, but as long as we're not running any marathons, it's just, yeah, just for fun. Just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Awesome. Well, great. Well, I hope you guys, um, if you come here, I would love to run with you. That sounds great. We would definitely make it a plan. We will definitely make it a plan. Oh, Whitney, I'm so glad that we were able to do this. It's such a joy to just to get to talk to you and know you a little bit more and Thanks for taking us on a tour through your beautiful hometown. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. So I'm so honored to be on this show. And yeah, it was really fun chatting with you guys in real life. Yes. Yeah. And the ultimate last question. Yes. Oh, where okay. can everybody find you and follow along on all your mother running journey? Awesome. Well, I keep it easy. It's just at the mother runners on Instagram. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram, not really on Facebook. And my website is themotherrunners.com. Yes. So everybody right. go follow Whitney. If you need a running coach, call her. She will help <laughs> you uh, and guide you uh, through your, through your running journey. So there's just so much, so many good tidbits here and we're just, we're so happy and we'll put everything in the show notes. So Whitney, thank you so much. And we'll see you sometime soon. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. 
Whitney Hines, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's always inspiring to see someone take the skills they've honed in a career, combine it with their passion and a desire to help others, to create a thriving business and community, all the while delivering their own impressive performances in road racing. Thank you for sharing all the wonderful places in Knoxville, Tennessee, from a runner's point of view. We'll be looking forward to the great running, the small town charm, and the big city amenities minus the traffic. Follow Whitney at themotherrunners.com and on Instagram at themotherrunners. Come follow us at Sweet Run, Nat Runs Far, and on SweetRun.com. A big thanks again to our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Use the code SweetRun to take 25% off of everything they have to offer. Use it for yourself or an awesome gift. A big thanks to our friends at Inside Tracker. Are you guys enjoying the Sweet Run podcast? We would love it if you would take a moment to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any platform that you listen to our show on. It would help us to get our content out to new listeners and help to grow our show. Go ahead and push the button. Leave us a rating and review. We would so appreciate it, and we appreciate you guys. Join us next week for another great conversation with an awesome runner living in a great location. We'll see you then. We will see you then.